And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back to Seven Fifty Five is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic. With my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's happening, Eric? Not much, man. How you doing, Dave? I'm doing good, man. I'm so envious of these pictures you post of your lake at night and in the morning. Jeez, that's a beautiful view out in Seattle. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's false advertising though. It, it rains like six out of seven days here. <laughs> I just post the good baby. stuff. <laughs> and yeah, <laughs> and you have bears chasing you down on your pier. Yeah, <laughs> he had bear Brit. He had a bear last year. A, a real bear. Almost yeah, trapped my, him on the end of his pier. <laughs> yeah, I was fishing. Really? I was fishing, and my neighbor, my neighbor screamed down at me, and it's like, you know, what does she want? Because she could see into our backyard, and she said, "There's a bear." And I turned around, and there was a bear just looking me in the eye, like twenty feet away. <laughs> Shit, my pants! Wow. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> that uh, laughter you hear from is from our third uh, member today, our special guest, the Athletics Britt Giroli, who this week officially moved up from her position as Washington Nationals beat writer to become one of the national baseball writers. And that as in national nationwide, it's all confusing when you say national <laughs> beat writer. One of our nationwide writers, uh, like Ken Rosenthal, for instance, or, uh, Mark Kering, those guys. Um, she is now a nationals writer for us. Congrats, big, big, uh, big congrats, Britt. It was much, much deserved. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, it is a little confusing, right? It's like I dropped the ass, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, you, you went from a nationals writer to a national writer, yeah. but uh, that's a, another addition to our stable of national writers. We got we got a hell of a, a group there of national writers. Um, but we are going to get to. It's a very good time to have Britt on for uh, several reasons, but we're going to get to something that uh, Britt wrote in great. A uh, really important story that she wrote this week about in the fallout over the firing of uh, new and now former Mets general manager Jared Porter for his horrendous behavior uh, to a female reporter years ago that was revealed in an ESPN story earlier this week. We're going to get to Brit. That was going to be our main story, and it will still be our. But I, first, I wanted to discuss uh, just because of the passing uh, of Don Sutton, who died Tuesday. Uh, Hall of Fame pitcher, obviously, and a Braves Hall of Famer because of his work in the broadcast booth, booth with the Braves. Um, rarely will you find someone who is so beloved by a fan base, a guy who never played for your team, as you get with Braves fans for Don Sutton, who spent 28 of his 30 broadcast years with the Braves. Uh, Alabama-born guy, Southern accent. Uh, you know, they just always identified with him, even though he became a star, obviously, with the Dodgers and pitched for a lot of other teams, but never for the Braves. But he died on uh, Tuesday after a bout with cancer. It was the last The last few years have been really rough for Don. He wasn't on the air much at all uh, two years ago and not at all last year. So um, just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on, on, on Sutton and the career, hell of a career as a pitcher, obviously. Yeah, it, it's... 
it seems like, I mean, you guys would obviously know, but it just seems like in the last calendar year, we have lost so many, like great, so many giants of the game. Seven Hall of Famers in 2020, the most ever in one year. I mean, it, what, what I think when I think of a guy like Sutton is he, it, it sounds like a cliche, but you just don't see it as much anymore is that he, he took the baseball and pitched every time his turn yep. was up, right? Like he, Amazing. I think he logged 200 innings or more in 20 yep. out of his 21 seasons. Yep. Um, you know, he was an all-star. The Dodgers retired his number uh, well into his forties. He was you a get guy your, yeah, who was you, pitching. When you get your jersey retired, your number retired by the Dodgers, you did some yeah. work. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They've only retired 10 of them. Yeah. Um, he's the fourth announcer in the Braves Hall of Fame after Skip, Ernie, and Pete. Uh, no last names necessary for that trio. And I'm just imagining those four having a few cocktails and talking baseball at some bar in heaven today because uh, they all had big personalities. Uh, Pete's probably trying to get in a word in edgewise. But uh, that is that is a hell of a group. And Don is, you know, he's enshrined in Cooperstown for, like you said, for his work on the mound. 23 seasons in the majors, 16 of those with the Dodgers. The dude finished with 324 wins, 178 complete games, 58 shutouts, a 326 ERA, 3,574 strikeouts in 5,282 innings. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> Needless to say, there aren't going to be any more of those those guys. <laughs> Verlander's the last guy that's even going to, I think, approach the kind of numbers those dudes used to put up. It's just so hard to stay healthy that long. Yep. You know, I mean, I've pitched in maybe 500 games. This guy has 500 decisions. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean? 324 wins. I don't. I don't think you're going to see. Yeah, maybe Verlander, but it might. It might never be done again. Honestly, unless something really changes in the game. Yeah, and I can't see the game reversing and going no. back to what it was. That's not usually how it works in any regard. You'd have to have some kind of just Nolan Ryan type talent that is able to stay healthy. That's the hardest thing is just staying healthy that long, yeah. being able to take the ball for 23 years. I've been retired for three years. I'm 35, and I play golf, and I need a day off. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just it, to be able to pitch that long, is it, it's incredible what those guys used to put their bodies through. He, uh, there was no wins above replacement when he pitched, obviously, but for those wondering, they do all this retroactively, and he had 66.7 B-War in his career. Not bad. No. A lot of people think of Sutton as the quintessential compiler, and he was in a lot of regards, but he was also damn good. We had a three two six career ERA. Yeah. That's, that's not like you know lingering exactly. around. Exactly. Yeah. No. He he finished in the top five in NL Cy Young votes for five consecutive years. Yeah. From seventy two through seventy six, and that was a pretty much a golden era of pitching too. Yeah. Uh, three six eight ERA, three complete games in fifteen postseason games, including eight World Series starts. But uh, you, Brett, you alluded to a stat, the one that's really stunning to me. Dude pitched 23 seasons, never went on the DL. Beyond that, he never missed a start in 756 turns in the rotation. I mean, that's ridiculous. If you think about it, how many guys these days don't even make it through a – they can even make it through one season without skipping a start? I bet there's not a single player in the game today that's never missed a start, unless it's a rookie, you know, one or two years in. But there's nobody with more than five years that hasn't missed a start. He did it for 23. I bet you're right. That's wild. I bet you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, to me, it's just, it's just a different era, a different kind of player. Yeah. But 
like that taking the ball, pitching into your forties. I mean, yeah, it's just really impressive. Right. And you got to go back and, and talk to like the Jim Palmers of the world and, and to really get the appreciation for the mindset and what that was like. And yeah. I mean, it just sucks. Like the sport keeps losing these giants who remind us of what the game was and, you know, yeah. um, you know, where we are now is just so vastly different, good and bad. Uh, yeah. but th- this guy was just so uniquely successful, both as a pitcher and a- as a broadcaster. And I think he means different things to a lot of different people. Yeah. And I think we all had hoped that we had left behind a lot of these, these deaths in 2020. And it, it-, it was just very sad. Yeah. And it comes two weeks after 13 days after his former manager, hall of famer, uh, Tommy Lasorda died, which is, yeah. And the most recent one to die in the, in 2020 was of course, Phil Negro, the Braves great, and I saw something the other day, uh, or yesterday, the stat that Necro faced Sutton in 1986. It was the first time, I guess the only time, in the 20th century that two 300-game winners faced off. And needless to say, that'll never happen again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it was a classic pitcher's pitcher in that he was a master of change in speeds and pinpoint location. Uh, only had one 21 season. But he had double-digit wins. He had 10 or more wins in each of his first 18 seasons and 20 of his first 21 seasons. He didn't throw a no-hitter, but he had 15 complete games with one or two hits allowed. I'm looking at his, his 1980 season. He was 35 years old, and he threw 212 innings with a whip under one. Wow. I didn't realize that the whip was under one. Under one is wow. – I mean, that's hard to do. That's not a compiler, man. That's no, still a no, damn not good at pitcher. all. At 35, you know, it wasn't in his prime. Nolan Ryan and Cy Young are the only guys with more starts. Third all-time in games started, seventh in innings pitched. Man, almost 5,300 innings. Uh, He worked at least 200 innings in his first 20 full seasons. (laughs) Only a short 1981 season broke up that streak. You know. Wow. You know. The game has changed so much. Obviously, most of it's for the better. I mean, the be- there's better players now, better pitchers, better hitters than ever. But I think a lot of it's also mindset. I think once you get past that mindset of go- expecting to go out and pitch nine innings and, p- and taking the ball every five days and, you know, pitching 250 innings a year, once you get out of that mode, people aren't looking, aiming to do that anymore. So you're never going to have that. And the game's obviously max effort now. Eric can talk about this. Pitchers are max so much, so many are so many are max effort all the time that they can't stay healthy year after year after year. Yeah, you know, in in general, and that's something that's a comparison people like to make a lot is that you know the, the ball is being thrown hard, and they like to look at players from different eras and and try to compare if they'd be able to succeed today. But it's really just the training's changed where guys are pushing their body so close to the threshold of what they can handle. Uh-huh. Versus a guy like Don, you know, he, he probably wasn't squatting too much before his starts. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. he was yeah. he was staying loose. They were staying limber so they could go out every day. But everybody's pushing their body to the max now where, you know, they're throwing 97. Their body might only be capable of 98. And and Don Sutton, might have he might have been able to throw 97 with all the training these guys do today. But uh-huh. part of why he was able to stay healthy is because he's sitting at 90 and, and not pushing his body to that peak uh, limit. You, Eric, you do you think – do you think that's part of why you can't institute or the resistance to the pitch clock? Because these guys need that nine, three minutes between pitches and the hitters are also swinging full out. And that's why we're seeing the oblique injuries. It seems like it's a max, it's become a max effort game in every facet. 
Yeah, for sure. I don't I don't know if, you know, any more time between pitches or anything like this. It's just the recovery between starts for sure though. I mean, if you throw a bullpen even and you throw a bullpen at 80% effort, it, you feel all right the next day. But once you start cranking it up to 100% effort, you need, you know, an extra day or two in between. So you're seeing relievers, you're seeing the, the training too. I mean, guys their bodies aren't recovering in between games. They're lifting the next morning. They're doing stuff the next day. They're tightening up. Um, and mm-hmm. it's almost – that's just the demand of the game, though. You know, if, if you're throwing 90 miles an hour in, in AA, you could have a, a two ERA, you might get released. And the guy with a 96-mile-an-hour fastball could have a five, and he's going to keep getting opportunities. So mm-hmm. it's almost like that's just the demands and the expectations the organizations put on players, and they're just trying to find a way to get there. But it definitely, you know, like I'm saying, when you push your body to the max like that, you're, you're definitely risking injury a lot more. You wonder if there's room. I don't know if this is realistic or not, but you wonder if there's room for a guy coming up and I'll just use Greg Maddox for as an example. But Greg threw a lot harder than people remember when he first came up. It wasn't he could like have he was thrown ninety five if he wanted right. to. And you wonder if there's room for a guy to come up, a control guy like Tom Glavin, uh, in this day and age. If he gets, he'd have to get a chance first of all. And like you said, there's so many uh, things standing in the way of that of a guy getting a chance who's a who's a control guy who throws five pitches and relies on on, on controls so much over velocity. But you wonder if there's room for a guy like that to come into the game now and be so different than what the hitters are facing the other days of the week that he could be successful, maybe even wildly successful, pitching that way for seven, eight innings every time out. You know, well, there's I, there's Kyle Hendricks. You know, he's he's yeah. probably the best example of yeah. that. But I think one of the things that makes it hard is the strike zone now. Right, is called true to the plate. So you right. have to come into that box. You know, you're not yep. getting. They don't care if you hit the glove or not. You used to get yep. rewarded for hitting the glove an inch right. or two, three inches off the plate. Yep, um, very true. So you you know, the thing that I don't think people understand is how elite and how hard it is to do. Basically, Greg Maddox' control was like having a hundred five mile an hour fastball. As far as how rare it was to be able to do that with a baseball, uh-huh. so it's a safer route for most guys to just bank on velocity and say, you know, I'm going to get opportunities and I'm going to I can miss in the zone at hundred. Uh-huh. If I'm going to try to throw like Kyle Hendricks, I have to be. He's a he's a one percentile. You know, like he, there's there's nobody that can do what he does with a baseball in the game, or they would. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you make a mistake, it. I mean, I remember Jamie Moyer trying to pitch against us in Colorado that one year. Yeah. He was hitting spots. And it, we were hitting him so hard, he thought we were tipping pitches. Yeah. And Chipper just said, <laughs> you know, I can't remember Chipper's quote. It was awesome. It was, like, yeah, it was, it was like, we know it's coming, slow and slower or something like that. And he was hitting his spots. It was just a matter of the zone gets smaller and you got to come into it at some point. If if the hitters don't do you favors, yeah. it, it's, it's a really – I think it's just a lot harder route to take uh, the control route, and I think almost every single organization and and pitchers are just banking on velocity, giving them that room for error that they need. Yeah, I miss that strike zone when umpires had their strike yeah. zone and they rewarded pitchers like Maddox and Glavin. That was cool. And they slowly during the game they'd go a half inch, inch off the plate because yep. they could hit it pinball exactly yep. where the you know, and they rewarded that. So. Yep. But yeah, we're not going back to that. If anything, it's not we're coming going back because the, the game direction. wants offense too. Yep. Uh, Dom was born in 1945 in Cleo, Alabama. Was the son of sharecroppers. Family moved to Northern Florida when he was young. He was a three sport star in high school. Dodgers drafted him out of a, or signed him out of a Florida junior college. He went 23 and seven in his only minor league season. Earned a spot in the Dodgers rotation in 1966 for the defending World Series champs. 
he he was in a rotation right away with Sandy Koufax, Don Drysdale, and Claude Osteen. Uh, Don was the fourth starter. That's probably a big reason why he was so good too. Yeah, you know, I mean, you, you kind of rise to the level of your teammates, and you're surrounded by guys like that. That's, yeah, four ERA is not going to cut it. Had 209 strikeouts that year and 225 innings, the highest strikeout total for a rookie since 1911. Yeah, so he'll be missed. And tip of the cap, proverbial cap to Don Sutton. Yep, a great, great pitcher and a hell of a broadcaster. I like he was an easy listen for me. I like listening yeah. to Don. Uh, and always I like the broadcasters who share all the stories and and what they learn, because a lot of times it's so different than anything we hear today. And people can't even, you know, it it has to come from someone who was there for it to even be believable sometimes, but it's nice to hear how the game was played back then. And, and he could, he could die. I mean, he really helped a lot of pitchers today. You see guys like Soroka credit him with with giving him tips, man, advice. He had advice that transcended eras that really worked for today's pitchers if they listened to him. And he liked to share it too. So could have been a hell of a pitching coach. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Now, moving from warm thoughts to ugliness, that is Jared Porter. For those not aware, Porter, in his previous position with the Cubs before he was uh, hired as the, I guess he's been with a couple teams since the Cubs, right? Went on the Diamondbacks. But he was hired by the Mets as their GM earlier this offseason. In his one of his previous positions with the Cubs, he sent dozens and dozens of entirely inappropriate reprehensible really and rather grotesque text to a female reporter culminating his sending a pic of his penis to her after propositioning her f- f- dozens and dozens of texts i mean to the credit of new mets owner steve cohen he fired porter within hours of this story coming out this week on espn the espn broke this story uh they'd been kind of sitting on it waiting for the the woman who's no longer in baseball the reporter to kind of give the go-ahead to to run it. And I, I, Britt, I want to get to the story you wrote, which kind of underscored, you wrote this week, just underscored just how prevalent episodes like this are with female reporters, most of whom never share them for fear of repercussions. You're caught in that horrible place where they feel like they'll, they'll not be able to do their jobs if they report such incidents. But you're also unable to feel comfortable doing the job if you just keep it to yourselves. It's something that us male reporters can really not relate to whatsoever. And (laughs) you have to continue fending 
off advances from assholes like Porter. So just tell us what happened to you when you were starting out as Orioles beat reporter as a 20 something young reporter for MLB.com. Yeah. So I was 26. It was my third year with the team and the Orioles were good. Like out of nowhere, they had really no business winning. They had a negative run differential. Uh, We're in Texas the night before the wild card game, the most important game for the organization in 15 years and I get a text message from a player, a guy who's helped me, that said, you know, I have I have something I want to tell you, but I, I don't want to do it over the phone. This is a, a guy who had given me some, you know, info before, had told me about players nursing injuries or, or potential roster moves. Um, and I didn't think twice. I got in my car because as a female reporter, I learned it's a lot easier to not stay at the same hotel. You know, mm-hmm. you just avoid a lot of of potential sticky situations, <laughs> um, get in my car, drive there. And I remember texting him and him being like, we can't meet in the lobby. People are going to see me and no, and no. And I'm like, Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I get it. So it gives me his room number. I go up to his room. Um, I remember thinking to myself, like, man, I hope no one from the team sees me. Cause then they're going to know that this guy, you know, gave me this info or whatever I'm going to run with, you know, I'm all excited. Um, I get in there the lights are off. There's candles lit. There's Drake playing. Um, <laughs> it, it's very clear almost immediately that <laughs> this was oh, not a scoop. Um, so I, you know, I, I here's the other thing like that's going through your head is you want to quickly enter the door. You don't, also don't want to be seen in the hallway of some guy's room, right? Yeah. So you walk yeah. in. I see all this going on, and I remember thinking to myself, like, okay, make sure that you're close to the door. Like, don't make sure he's not in a situation where you can't get out of this room. And so I remember having all these quick thoughts. And then I also remember he comes toward me and tries to kiss me. I keep asking what the, what is the news? And there, there is no news. And so I, I kind of push wow. him away and I'm like, you know, going, I, 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 I don't know what to do. And I'm like, what gave you the idea that I was into you? You know, I, obviously I'm, I, I'm like, man, I must've, I don't know what I did. And he's like, well, you were always nice to me. And I was floored. I, I was like, nice wow. to you. He's like, yeah. well, yeah, you always, you always talk to me. You always say hi. And I just remember thinking as I've gone over this hundreds of times since it happened, like it's my job to be nice to you. As you know, Dave, it's our job to take interest yeah. in you. Ask yeah. about your families. Um, I remember saying to him, like, I know you're married. Like I'm a reporter. I know you have children. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, the, uh, the marriage thing's for tax purposes. And I remember thinking that was just the most absurd thing <laughs> I've ever heard. Uh, <laughs> And I remember leaving that hotel, running down the stairs, basically in tears and thinking to myself, God, I hope this guy's not mad at me because if he's mad at me and he tells his teammates that I'm not cool or whatever, and I'm in, I'm in, I'm in deep shit, you know, like I I need this guy. I need this team. I need these players. And that's what you think. So I told no one, I told no one for seven years until I went on a podcast with Jeff, Jeff Perlman last year. And I was like, you know what? I don't care anymore. And uh, it kind of caught fire. I think people don't realize this isn't isolated. It's it's something that happens all the time. Now, I've I've I was told my first year, you want to be hot but not too hot because yeah. then people will think that you can't do your job. I've been accused of flirting with players in front yeah. of reporters. I've been in an elevator where a coach asks where my hotel room is, and you just have to be polite, like this woman did with Porter. Ignore it and hope it goes away. Because you need these people. As you know, Dave, I don't think people understand. Nobody has to help you. Exactly. These sources you cultivate yep. can go to the next reporter. Yep. You piss off a GM, great. He's yep. never answering you again. 
He's never confirming a text me- a, a trade. He's never, you know, like they oh, hold all the power. And the disturbing part of the Porter story to me was that someone told her, hey, you can use this to your advantage. Like, <laughs> wh- like, like <laughs> what? Exactly. You know, it, exactly. It, is, it is textbook harassment over years and years. And she clearly doesn't know what to say. She also isn't from this country, which I can't even imagine how much worse that is. The yeah. cult. Yeah. factor here it's her second and language. somebody tells her right somebody tells her hey just shut up and use this to your advantage yeah. like it, it is and this is why this is not an isolated thing this is something that happens all the time and since i wrote this story guys my my inbox is flooded with people who work for teams people who work for the commissioner's office people who are out of baseball because of this people that are like thank you for saying something in all sports and i think that's important to know that this happens all the time and there is really nothing you feel like you can do because no one wants to be this person, right? No one wants to be defined by this one moment like this poor woman is. Yeah, it's like we get just from from your average fan, we always get told to call somebody out or hold them in, you know, uh, throw it back in their face when they give you an answer that's not acceptable. They want you to be combative with them. You're like... Okay, you can't be combative with somebody if you plan to use them as a source going forward. It might not make fans right. happy that day, but we have, for practical purposes, we have to have continue to go to that person. So it's not going to do me any good to if the GM says something you don't, the fans don't like, or we're, we know it's bullshit. It's not going to do me any good to keep getting in his face and going, oh, that's, come on, tell us the truth, you know, because the, all he has to do is avoid my text in the future, you know? So it's cut off your nose, spite your face. So what you're talking about, is that times a hundred? I mean, yeah. and it involves so much other stuff that we don't even have to deal with. I can't even imagine having to wake up and when I get dressed to go to the ballpark, worry about whether something I'm wearing is provocative or whether it's sexy or too sexy yep. or not sexy enough, or do I have my makeup on or too much makeup? That is just, it's its terrible that that's still prevalent, but more so in sports than just about anywhere because it's still archaic in many senses it's still a a very testosterone driven business in all aspects it is and it's all like you said all levels i mean the broadcast booth like scouts coaches players managers like there is this position of power and as you know dave this isn't like an inter this isn't like somebody we work with at the athletic harassing me where it's very easy to go to hq to go to your, your hr people and they'll be fired. Yep. This is a situation where you work with this person, but you need them. They don't need you at all. Yeah. They yeah. don't need you at all. And so you're in this awkward situation where if they choose to not help you or worse, if yeah, they done. choose not to help you and tell everyone else to yeah. not help you that you're terrible or whatever, you're, that's it. So what do you do? You, you smile and you play along. And for me and for many women, you just kind of pretend it didn't happen. Right. You laugh it off. You ignore it because you create a scene Mm -hmm. and it doesn't make things any better for you. It makes things worse. And that's why this woman is back in her home country, guys, out of journalism, because who wants to deal with this? No one. No one should have to deal with this. Exactly. It's uh, it's the unique world of a woman in covering sports, covering male sports. And it's just uh, you, you wished it would be a lot better today. And I'm sure it is a lot better, but it's still so bad. And, and like you said, you can't say something every time somebody makes a comment because then you get branded as the one who 
you know, is always looking to get like get guys traded and everything. Cause then, so then you're not going to have anybody want to talk to you. So you're caught in a catch 22. That's just, like I said, I can't even imagine how difficult it is. And it sucks. It really sucks. And I know as a reporter, I'm guilty of, especially earlier in my career, every time we see a woman get a story or even get an interview, you're over there, a, a, an attractive woman is being, or, 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 just a woman in general is over there talking to a, a player in the corner. When we're ignorant young reporters, we get, I get caught, I know I was guilty of saying to another reporter that you're getting the interview just because you're a woman or you're flirting. So it's like, yep. you get it from every angle. You get it from us, you get it from the players, you get it from the front office. <laughs> so I, I just can't even imagine. I, I, I have the utmost respect for women who are able to do it and rise above that and kick our asses. There's some really good female reporters in sports. And when you can do it, when you can become a Jackie McMullen, for instance, I have the, so much respect for women who, who are able to, to go through all those minefields and still Mind do the fields. job better than yeah. me, you know, which yeah. there are plenty of them that do it. It's it's impressive. Yeah. yeah. And, it, 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 and people keep reaching out saying, I'm sorry, what happened to you? And I appreciate that. However, like, it's not about me. It happens to every right. woman everywhere and it, it, it's on people to like like you said Dave like stop that like stop the the awkwardness stop assuming that because someone is attractive that's their only redeeming quality that must be the reason why the player texted her yeah. and not somebody else right I think we have to kind of shift the way that that whole thing works and like believe me I am so tired and a lot of people I know I'm just so tired of talking about like what's it like to be a woman in sports yeah. like my Twitter handle is yeah. Brit on my byline because I thought it sounded gender neutral. And I thought maybe people wouldn't figure out that just read my story. Right. That didn't like go on yeah. Twitter and see my photo. <laughs> right, that, right. that was a, like, a man, like I just always wanted it to be about the work and I still do. Like I get promoted as you, as you mentioned yesterday. And I have a faction of people that are like, Oh, well it's clear. That's why she was promoted. Like right. I've been in baseball for 12 years, but it will never, nothing will ever be good enough for a certain group of people, right? It will never matter. People will constantly think you got this job because you're a woman. You got this story because you were a woman. Uh, you got here because of your gender. And I just, again, I'm just so tired of it. I just want it to truly be about the work. If we could get rid of Google image and Google search, I would put an egg as my Twitter yeah. <laughs> uh, picture. Just let people be like, oh, this Brit person's pretty good. Like, uh, you know, I had somebody emailed me the other day and called me Mr. Giroli. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's working. Like people, yeah, this, this, this yeah. person thinks I'm a dude. Like <laughs> I just, I just wanted to be about the work, right? Like well, male, female yeah. race. Like I just wanted to be about the work. And like, that's just, the thing is the, about the work. The, all the reporters, the good ones, the ones I respect, you never want to be the story. And so a woman, it's like, you got that, you got that doubly hard not to be the story. You don't want to be the story ever. I had an incident in the playoffs last year where yeah. I become part of the story. And I hate that. If yeah. I yeah. never got mentioned by anybody, I would love that. I don't, I didn't get into this to be part of the story. You know, we're covering it's their clubhouse. They're the story, not us. So right. people think you like, if, if you're a woman and you speak up, they think you were trying to get attention. No, that's yep. the last thing you want. <laughs> you know, if you're a good reporter, that's the last thing you want us to be part of the story. You know, we're not in TV to be in front of the cameras. We're, we're writers. We don't want to be the story. So it's just, it sucks, man. Eric, as a player, there have <laughs> to be awkward moments, right? Where you, some players say things that you want to say, dude, come on, man. Well, I mean, 
This dude never struck out looking. I can tell you that. I'd be 68 on Einster, Texas. <laughs> what are you doing? I, but that, that's kind of that's kind of the, the crazy thing about it is the dudes can be unprofessional for months. Yeah. And if if the reporter or whoever the female is in the clubhouse slips up one time, they're mm-hmm. like, I think she wants to bang me. And, and you know, like, <laughs> even if she just smiles at him or something. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, and it's yeah. a, I can't imagine how tough it is just to walk into a clubhouse because you got 25 dudes just stuck in a, yeah. almost like a cellar, you know, yeah. they haven't seen a female all day. And then you walk in and it's like the record stops and every single guy's just <laughs> looking them up and down and, and, yeah. and every single guy, you know, it's, it's funny because they have such big egos, right? In the clubhouse, yeah. everybody worships you. Everybody treats you a certain way. And it's like the one challenge that, uh, their their stats don't matter, you know. It, they can't have it, and yeah. and so it's almost like it ups the ante, and, it, and it's something that they want even more. And all of a sudden, every single guy is trying to flirt or throw their eyes at him and see if they're the one she'll pick, you know, to give them their attention. And this whole dynamic with it is just, yeah, it's. I, I get uncomfortable. With just you know, my <laughs> wife, my wife went through it because when she was a girlfriend, she had to stand in the hallway. Because the family rooms right. used to be for 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 wives and children only, so she had to stand out in that hallway, and she'd give me the breakdown like day two of the season of every dude on the team that was a creep. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. she yeah. she would she would know the guys that yeah. walked by and had just you know were just nice to her and treated her with respect and said hi because she was my fiance or girlfriend or whatever. And then she'd see the other ones that would definitely be trying to see if there was anything there, if they could get her attention, or maybe you know you know it's just a game that they'd all play that. Um, it just seems like it never ended. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because I think that element's never talked about either. Like there's like this inner circle in baseball. I get DMS. I get texts mm-hmm. all the time from other women reporters that are like, Hey, what do you know about this guy? Like, yeah. so you kind of create this little network of like, though, you know, this guy, you just like slid into my DMS, but I think this is harmless. Like, do you do this? Like somehow the longer you're in baseball, the more you become like well-versed in this like network of this guy's shady, this guy's not shady. And and that's what the Jared Porter thing was like, yeah. it's very clear. He didn't want to take no for an answer. Like you said, he, he continued to go. He wanted to exert his power and his influence. Yep. And you know, it just, and people knew that in the game people, uh, the, the larger issue here to me, isn't just Jared Porter. It's the underbelly of this whole frat house front office thing, because this isn't an isolated case. We now yeah. have front offices no. where so many of these guys uh, get promoted really ahead of their time and they have this power and they're yeah. making a million dollars a year as an assistant GM. And, you know, they, right. And they, and they have anything and they can do anything and yep. they're almost, they're almost in, in infallible, right? Yeah. If this woman, not only if this woman didn't speak out, but if she didn't have the text message and all the evidence, we yeah. wouldn't even be talking. We'd be talking about how believable this was because everything else we heard was how great Jared Porter was. People wanted to run right. him up a flagpole because he answered the media and he was a leak to some people, right? It's just yep. so and crazy the way this whole thing works. And I really hope MLB investigates and doesn't just pin it on him because it's convenient to say, hey, it was just this one case with Jared Porter. No, this is going on in front offices, in sports, in teams, everywhere. And I hope that they at least start to admit that this is a problem and it's not one bad apple. It has gotten, uh, for me, from the time I came into the game to the time I left, it's gotten, it, it's changed a lot. It's gotten way better, but it's still there. Yeah. Yeah. I think the players have gotten better. Yeah, I think the, players the front have gotten offices better. are 
still behind. They have that. I think, I think the players have gotten better because they're used to females. They've seen yeah. females since they came up. Um, like you said, Eric, they've got wives or girlfriends or moms or sisters or daughters. Um, I think the players have, have adapted quicker than a lot of the front offices with this stuff. Yeah. I'm not, I haven't seen that side. I just know that the, the, the dynamic in the clubhouse from when I came into the game and it was just, uh, just ogres, you know, yeah. <laughs> the, the way they treat it. Yeah. To, to the last like few years I was in the game, I felt like most guys treated the the women pretty respectable as far as players went. I think the yeah, players I mean, are, are held to a higher, higher standard. standard yeah. And there's social the media ones, now. They're the ones out front, yeah. yeah. And there's always cameras on them and all yeah. that. They have to be aware of that. And they're taught that from those – workshops they have from rookie you know don't do this don't do that there's gonna be women reporters in every locker room now clubhouse uh the irony being the front office like brit said is where it really hasn't trickled down to some of them or up to some of them and they probably still feel like they can they're behind the scenes and they can get away with this shit you know yeah uh, but all it takes is one person to come forward publicly uh and the story to get written and that person's done because in this era you, if you're Steve Cohen, I mean, his credit, he fired him, but he had no choice but to fire him. He yeah. could not have kept that guy that's a wrap. In, in this day and age. You can't do it. <laughs> so, yeah, you're sending picks like that. It's that's a wrap. Yeah, and she kept yeah. the picture. <laughs> Good. After everything else it. didn't work, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> you know what? With 68 messages didn't work. Let me send a picture of my standard white guy penis. Pictures don't lie, if, man. See if we get anywhere. <laughs> a little hail mary, <laughs> man. Oh man, it's like it's it's crazy that we're still talking about this kind of thing. But it seems like something comes up every year. I mean, last year it was the Astros uh, post game clubhouse when they when the assistant GM oh yeah said I'm glad we traded for <laughs> and, and 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 he mocked female reporters the, the one from SI. I mean, it's just why? How can you be that stupid, man? Yeah. You know, do you think it's going to work? Does it no, ever that, work? That's the point I'm making, though, with like the, the way guys are treated by everybody else. When someone doesn't play their game, it's just shocking to them. You know, right. and, and the confidence says is, no. yeah, when somebody yeah. says no or doesn't give them what they want, it's, it's just shocking because right. everybody else, when you're, when you're a player or, or in this high position, everybody bends over backwards for you. People suck up to you all day long. Your bag's four minutes late at the hotel. You yell at somebody and you're a dick about it. They apologize. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, somebody doesn't play your game. And you just like, they're just baffled that that their whole skit doesn't work on this person. And and they're just determined to get what they want and they just get nowhere. And it's almost like this guy just couldn't believe that she wouldn't be interested in him. He's treating yeah. someone whose career, who's doing her career, yeah. he's treating her. As just like he would treat the groupie at the bar that's there to get you know to meet a player, you know yeah. they're treating them all the same, which is just come on, man. Well, and then Britt's story, you know, just thinking that just being nice to a guy led him to believe, right? I right. just don't know how. I'm glad I never had to navigate that, but I don't know how you'd navigate trying to get stories and interact nice with people enough, but not too not good. too nice though. To where I mean that yeah. that line is different for every single person and what they read. All, it's bound to run. You're bound to wind up in this situation at some point. It's just like you said, it's a minefield. Yeah. It's just, I mean, I, I wonder, I've, I've gone over this a lot. Like had I said something, would I still be in this business in 2012? Probably would, not. Ev- not back right? then. Would I, would I have been that girl who said something and it was like, Oh, she's looking for attention or whatever, you, you know, was yeah. the guy putting up numbers at the time? 
<laughs> what were his stats? Uh, he, <laughs> he <laughs> you know, because kind of, that's a big factor. <laughs> if he was hitting a buck fifty, you might have, you might still be around. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's like he, he, you know, he, and this is part of the problem, I think, with and part of what led that woman to come forward with Porter is he just kept getting better and ascending, yeah. and people talked about how great he was, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Like he was yeah, just, yeah. he was it's at snowballs. the highest level. It snowballs. So then it's people are less likely to come out, you know, when everybody's saying, oh, I don't want him to be the person that says he's not that, you know. Uh, you had another story, Britt, about a, a coach from a major league team you, that you ran to in a lot in a uh, in an elevator in San Francisco. Yeah, I mean, what do you do then when someone asks about like, hey, what's your rim number? You 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 laugh it off, right? <laughs> a major league coach <laughs> asked you that. Yeah, that is just yeah astonishing, man. That's not. And again, <laughs> if right. you it's if not. you piss him off is, or. Yeah, like if you make him embarrassed, it's yeah. a fine line to walk. You have to. I used to always just laugh. Was off it just and you and him? Subject. Just was me just and him. A, yeah. Yep. And you know that was my first year, and it was part of the reason why I started staying at different hotels to right. avoid these kind of interactions. You know, and um, like as you know, it could it gets worse later in the night after games. Guys have a couple drinks. All of a sudden, they're yeah, brave. Sure. Right? Um, sure. So I, I started staying at different hotels, but like, what do you do? Do you you want to anger a coach? who tells the manager who now you like, again, there goes your in good right. luck getting these right. guys to talk to you. Good luck. Um, I've Especially had players. If he's popular with other coaches. Yeah. I've had players refuse to speak to me. That's also happened to me. Um, not for, not because he hit on me, but I've, I've had that happen. And I know how quickly that can spread in a clubhouse if the guy's yeah. well liked. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, it, it, it's very much like you guys know it's insular. One, if the right guys like you in there, it's like yeah. middle school. I say all the time, you're, you're cool. You're fine. Yep. Right. But if they don't forget it, good luck undoing that. That could take years or like a serious clubhouse turnover for that to happen. And as I've gotten older, like it's obviously gotten a lot better. I mean, I'm in my mid thirties now. I think guys are like, she's old. No one cares. Um, so I think that's helpful. I also think that we've, we've gotten, we've moved forward as a society. Like yeah, Mike right. Rizzo, the Nats GM, I, I texted with him yesterday because I wanted him to know like my first day in DC, he says to me, listen, you have a problem with anyone, coach, player, front office. I don't care who you come to me and you tell me and we'll fix it. I will make it right. That's and I cool. never forgot that because right. And, and coincidentally, I haven't, never had a problem in two years in DC. And I think part of it starts at the top. Part of it starts with what you accept as an organization. And, you know, Rizzo is old school in that regard. And I remember thinking like, wow, like he, he's not, you know, he, he's, he says this unprompted. I think he's someone who wants to make sure he has his bases covered. And also as a GM, you want to know what's going on. You yeah. don't want to be surprised like Steve Cohen was right. You want to know, you want to be made aware of these situations. And Eric, I'm curious what you like. Do you think these other organizations knew, or at least had an inkling of what Jared Porter was doing? Uh, maybe not beforehand, but you spend enough time around somebody, you know, especially if you have a few drinks with them. If if you're saying there was there was stuff going around about him, you know, bragging to scouts and things like that, that probably wasn't you know yeah. a one time occurrence. Um, or, or you just around him when a hot chick walks by and you see how they respond, you could tell yeah. this guy could be trouble or, <laughs> you know, I mean, it, that, that's kind of goes back to what my wife was saying. You know, everybody kind of would talk to her and be nice in the hall, but immediately she would get the vibe of which guys were trouble. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like this, this, yep. this was when they were relaxed she was just, and leaving well, the clubhouse. And- well, there'd be the coaches that say hi to her. They just got a twinkle in their eye and they're just nice right. older coaches. And, and they made her feel nice and comfortable and warm inside. And then there'd be the other one that'd walk away and she'd feel naked. You know, she'd feel yeah. like I just got 
rape somehow, <laughs> you yep. know, and, and, and it would end. It, she would just tell me which guys, you know, would she'd have these interactions with. And she'd be like, I don't want you hanging around with him on the road. Well, some of those coaches <laughs> came from a different culture, man. Yeah. You know, the ones that are in their fifties, sixties. Yeah. I mean, it was all okay the ones that have adapted, you know, and yeah. realize you can't, things are different than they were when you were a player 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like w- when I came into the game, I remember going to PF Chang's and this was, Oh, six or seven. And, and some of the veterans were just slapping waitresses on the asses. And I, I was yeah. thinking, this isn't even Hooters, you know, I mean, this is P.F. <laughs> Chang's and, and I'm watching like, man, these guys are just, these guys are just bulletproof. They're invincible. And yeah. it, 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 it's the same way that society's just changed how they treat athletes. You know, I remember a guy that had won a world series telling us this story. He got pulled over going 75 miles an hour, um, the wrong way on a one way street in downtown 25 at 25 mile an hour speed zone and the cops gave him an escort home because they'd won the world series you know so and and you can't imagine something like that happening today but just the way that era so maybe that's why it happens more with kind of the older guys the gms and coaches and stuff because when they where they came from Mm -hmm. they were above the law and that's how i felt when i was sitting at that pf chang was just like man i'm into a different world now these guys are I mean, they could do whatever they want. And I was just watching it like, you guys are psychopaths. You're going to get in trouble. And nothing, you know, nothing ever happened. But if they did that today, yeah. you know, today's world, it would absolutely, I think it come out the next day. Somebody have night. video of it today. It'd be on video. There'd yeah. be proof and it'd be over. So I think that's one good side of social media and camera phones. The one good side. Yeah. yeah the one good true. side. <laughs> guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Shifting gears here just to wrap up. Let me let me ask your thoughts, Britt, on the National League East so far because, I mean, I can sense a shifting of things. It might not be immediate, but... 
Steve Cohen brings a whole different dynamic to this table. I mean, we've kind of written off the Mets in recent years. You know, I've, I, like I said the other day, I got ripped for it by some fans. I said, the Mets have a way of always messing it up, you know. And you could argue they did it again with Porter, but, but, Cohen, stepped <laughs> forward, but, but Cohen stepped forward and fired him. But the Mets, I think for the first time in a long time since the Madoff scandal, are in position to spend money and make this a whole different race than it's been. You know, the the Braves and then the Nationals before that, the Braves and Nationals have kind of dominated it since the Phillies era. But I think the Mets are going to all of a sudden be right in there. They can't help it with the money they have and uh, the ability of Cohen to spend because he didn't, he, didn't sp- he didn't lose money last year like every other owner in baseball. Yeah, no, I agree. I think this is, it's interesting. As soon as they got Lindor, the Mets, I don't know about you, Dave, but I'm like, yeah. man, this yep. NL East is going to be fun. Yeah. Like the Bra- the Braves, people forget because it seems like 10 years ago now, the Braves made all their moves very early. It seems yeah. like they made a, a couple moves and then you're just kind of like waiting around for a while. And then the, the Mets come out and you're like, all right, they're serious. They get yeah. Lindor. Uh, the Nationals make a few smaller moves. They get Schwarber and Bell. And um, I, no one really knows what the Phillies are doing, right? Um, are they trying to win? If they get real Muto, I think this gets real exciting. Uh, because the Mets rotation, and I know you wrote a great story analyzing all the, the different rotations here. The Nationals, three, four years ago, would have been the best rotation by far in the NL East. Uh, a, but year now ago, old. a year ago, a year ago at this time, yeah. they were considered yeah. the best. <laughs> you're yeah. right. You're Before right. Before two guys um, got hurt. Yeah, and and so to me, like, there's so many different ways this can go, and people for, are forgetting about the Marlins, who, yeah. like, I know haven't really done anything, and they really have a a need for offense, right? You saw that right. in the playoffs. They've got some really good young pitching, um, but who's to say if they don't get one or two guys that that start swinging it that yeah. they're not a force? So they got arms, it, man. We yeah, saw that in the playoff do. series. Even though they got swept by the Braves, they've got arms. An, yes, a, and it, a, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch. It really yeah, is. The Nationals, if 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 Scherzer and Strasburg stay healthy, they're still going to be really formidable but their rotation i was looking at the other day after they signed lester 31 32 36 and 37 are the ages of their top four guys yeah yeah lester being 37 he's older than scherzer yeah they're dangerous on the aarp cards there i mean it's like (laughs) we're saying this isn't isn't the era of sutton anymore right i mean guys aren't guys aren't doing that anymore so I, it is fascinating to me, like this experiment. They very, very clearly have this window, the Nationals. And if they don't win like this year, it's like, all right, probably have to unload yeah. everyone. It's the last year yeah. of Scherzer. You know, they really need to see what they're going to get. But uh, they're an old team. And they've yeah. they've been an old team now since since they won it all in 2019. They've kind of embraced this. But uh, with Lester, I mean, it, it's nothing but, I guess, potential upside here. They're not really paying him anything. Yeah. Um, What's his you know, contract? Mi- He's got $5 million, but $3 million of it is deferred to 2023. So you're really taking a flyer on him. He's not Corey Kluber, right? He's not getting that $10, $11 million that the Yankees gave him. Um, obviously, he's also older than Corey right. Kluber, but I think they're just hoping to get him to through the order twice. And Isn't he's going to take the ball. You, you, it's, there's something to be said about having a guy like that. You know, he's just going to take the ball. Yeah. And he's going to pitch. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's probably what they're banking on is just having one guy, especially talking about the injury risk that they feel like he's going to be willing to take the ball, you know. Well, maybe they make another move. But I just thought with Scherzer, you know, 
is uh, he's obviously finally getting old. I mean, older. Yeah. I mean, last year he just wasn't the same Max Scherzer. Maybe he is this year. I mean, I still won't write that guy off. He's phenomenal. But yeah, Strasburg, the outlier was two years ago. He stayed healthy, and they gave yeah. him a huge contract. But you would have thought with those two being so kind of suspect now with the injuries because the age that they'd have gone out and got one younger younger starter and spent the money on one guy to stabilize this thing because, I mean, it could go either way now. Uh, and yeah. like Ritz, they're, in, they're in the danger of becoming the Phillies a few years ago when the yep, Phillies they are. hung on to those guys too long. And you kind of hover yep. there. You kind of hover there. and Like, you're not in it, but you're not out of it. So. Yeah, there it's it to me like it, this NL East like it can go so many different ways, right? Depending right, on right. what happens here. Like, would it surprise you if the Braves won it? No. Would it surprise you if the Mets won it? No. Yeah. You can see that scenario. Yeah, I the, mean, the, the Nationals have a if they stay healthy. Yeah, the Braves have. I, I you know I say that about the uh, the Nats, but the Braves signed Morton. Yeah, and, and he's gonna ha- he's gonna get old. It's gonna be this year, next year, the year after. He's gonna get old in a hurry when he does. And uh, and Smiley, you know. He really turned a corner last year. Can he do it again? And he, I mean, he didn't pitch, but about 30, less than 30 innings last year, you know, put up phenomenal numbers. But there's obviously question marks there as well. And can Max Free continue his development? Will Soroka come back at 100%? But I feel like there's Anderson just as many be- health questions with, with Freed and Soroka as there would yeah. be, you know, with, with the Nationals and, and the Mets. That's the Mets' problem. The Mets are always, healthy. yeah. Thor, yeah. Thor, you know, they always have. If the Mets stay healthy, their rotation is as good as anybody's. If yeah. they stay healthy, but when do they yeah. stay healthy? Top to bottom, you know, but right. yeah, they got Lindor, man. And Lindor all of a sudden is one of the best three or four players in the division. You know, you know, he's, he's a phenomenal player. I think people that haven't seen him play on a daily basis because he was in Cleveland and the other league are going to be surprised how good he is. You know, he's, yeah. he's yeah. like bets kind of, he ain't as good as bets, but he's really good. It does everything yeah. too. So you know, the Nats, you can't write them off, obviously. I mean, they got Soto. He's arguably the best hitter in the league next to yeah. Mets, maybe. Uh, they got Trey Turner. They got Robles. This is a phenomenal defensive player. They got, I know I'm leaving somebody out. They got they got some really good players. It's just that that rotation kind of, we'll see. Uh, Philly's bullpen is still, they've, they've improved it, but it still looks pretty bad. They have improved it, though. I, I just think the Phillies want when they hired Dave Dombrowski, that was a statement that we are trying to win now. We're not because Dave Dombrowski didn't jump on board for a rebuilding effort. No. He's never done that in his career, much less at this age of his career, at this stage. He's he'll trade whatever he's got to get players to win now. It's good timing to do it though. Yeah. Yeah. Trey yeah. Turner's good. I thought I think that's who you're forgetting to mention for the Nationals. No, I mentioned him. Okay. Yeah. I mentioned Trey I Turner, mean, Soto. They got Ro- Schwarber. They they brought in Josh. Yeah, they Bell. got they got Schwarber. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. From yeah from the Pirates. Yeah, that's a good sign. That's a good sign. We'll see. Yeah, Trey Turner. I I get uh I get kind of stilted because when I see him play, he's like the best player in the, the league. Best player the of all time against the Braves. The Braves <laughs> Kills him. And Soto is just. Uh, you know, he's, he's got the whole thing level. with Acuna going, but he's a better hitter than Acuna. Acuna yeah. is more dynamic; can hit the ball farther. And uh, uh, ultimately, I think I'd probably take Acuna, but right now, Soto's a better hitter than Acuna. He doesn't strike out, man. He doesn't. He's just—he's going to cost twice as much. Yeah, he is. <laughs> he, when when Braves fans see the contract that Soto's going to get from yeah. the Nats or whoever they're going to go, and we got Acuna for how much? He might cost twice as much as Albie's and Acuna combined. You're right. You're right. 
that's a, that's the age old question. I mean, Kevin cover the Braves every day. I'm not taking anybody over Cunha long-term. I just think Acuna's ceiling is absolutely limitless. Yeah. But to be, if I'm, if I'm being uh, objective, Soto is the better hitter all around here. Yeah, right. Now. I agree. I mean, last year, his numbers were, if he'd have played five to 10 more games, he would have he ten more games, and he would have given Freddie Freeman a run for MVP because his numbers yeah. stacked up with Freddie's across the board. They were yeah. the only ones better than Freddie in like a lot of the the slash line. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean the thing is though is that the Braves very smartly locked up Acuna and Albies oh, and the Nationals. Brilliant. The big the big thing is going to be like, what do you do here? Yeah. They got to make a you decision know? like they had to with with Strasburg and <laughs> and Harper and, and yeah. they, no with Strasburg and uh, and. Uh, What's the, oh uh, Rendon Rendon, which I yeah, thought they yeah. made the wrong decision, and we said that when Britt was on here last year. Yeah, we did. That I would have kept Rendon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's not like it's like hindsight twenty twenty. I thought they made the wrong decision, but I understood why they did with Strasburg coming off the year that he had and the postseason that he had. But uh, Rendon, Rendon's on stuff. Got to let go. It's tough that baseball's in a position where. So yeah. many teams have to let guys like that walk or pick between two players or like, trade Blake Snell. Like Boston with bets. Yeah, with bets. Yeah. That's going to haunt them, I think, for a long time. Yeah. God, he's a great player. He's unbelievable. Great player. Probably the best player in the game today, with right there with Trout to me. Bets is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, well, are we going to get this thing started on time? You guys think spring training will start on time? I, 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 if I'm getting a vibe that they're gonna might delay the thing for a little bit while the vaccines are being distributed. Uh I don't know. I think they will. You I think, think that the time? problem is yeah, the problem to me of not starting on time is it pushes everything. Good luck telling yeah. the players to not to accept another salary right. cut. Right. You know, and and also other leagues are going on right now. So what would be MLB's excuse to push it? Right. Right. And there are other, other leagues that have been going on. Well, they're having troubles. That's the other leagues are having troubles. When you look at, you know, the NFL was a circus there for a while when the Steelers had to postpone like three times, you know, and some NBA games have been postponed college basketball, but yeah, I mean, and the break and the majors just did, you know, a 60 game season relatively, you know, after the initial problems, they did it relatively safe, but uh, th- there are things, there are reasons not to, that they wouldn't, like you said, the players are not going to accept 140 games without fighting. Uh, and then if they could just push it back in November, it would solve all the problems. But the problem is TV runs everything and TV doesn't mm-hmm. want the regular season or the postseason going into November because of, uh, all their commitments to football. So that's where you run into problems. I've That'll learned be just easy. to not even try to f- just let it happen. See what happens. You know, I mean, it's, it's so hard to. There's so many obstacles, and who saw last year coming? Everything that happened, yeah. You know, it's just I didn't think they were going to get through last year, and they did, and and yeah. you know, and it got pretty smooth after the Marlins episode early and the Cardinals and problems early. After that, it was you know the postseason went great. Yeah. Follow similar you know similar protocols and do it the same way. I don't see why you couldn't have a spring training and. The guys will be better this year at you know yeah. staying in their room and and staying. Everybody's used to this routine now. I mean, you we've hope. been doing it for almost a year at this you point. You hope they're not tired of it. Yeah. But like, well, we're tired of it. I think everybody's tired of it. But. Last year, they did it for 60 games. This year, they go into a season going, we got to do this for 162. Yeah, that's true. That could be six be some months. Slip ups for sure. We got to do this for six months. Yeah. <laughs> Plus free trading. 
<laughs> that's a tough, exactly. that's a tough spring training spring training is easy because you have to get up so early right but what do you, you know, do when you, you get out of spring training at one two in the afternoon play golf go, go back to your hotel you can play golf with a mask yeah 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 you can do that i mean that's nobody that's kind of what guys anymore, do anyway the guys? <laughs> i don't know if they do or not but i Some wish teams i did what they I do but not many it's not like it used to be where every brain went to the golf course after the <laughs> yeah Nine a.m. <laughs> I remember my first spring training with Bobby. We were finished at like nine thirty, and I felt like I should give my meal money back. I'm like this was the easiest day ever, and they just said, "Well, he's going to ride you hard during the season, so he lets you know he lets you enjoy spring training and take it easy and get ready for the year." But and it was yeah, it's not like pitchers. that anymore. Guys are working out for two hours after the game. Yeah, it was starting pitchers heaven with yeah. Bobby as manager. <laughs> yeah, it was heaven, man. Try keeping three Hall of Famers together for a decade nowadays. Never happen again. Yeah, it'd be tough. They didn't want to go anywhere. They knew it was not going to be any better anywhere, even if you made a little more money. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, hey, Britt, sorry to keep you so long, but really, really appreciate you being candid and sharing all that, uh, all that stuff with us. And, let us apologize again for all males on <laughs> earth. <laughs> you guys being, are good. No. For being animals. And uh, <laughs> keep going. Hopefully it gets better. But uh, yep. you do a great job and it's really admirable. And, and even if we don't say it enough, other reporters, we admire it. You know, what you guys do, go through shit that we don't have to even deal with. So, well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's always fun to on. chat with you guys. All right. Good well, that's 755 is real for us. And hopefully when we have another one of these next week or whenever it is, there'll, there'll be some moves to talk about with the Braves. But we've been saying that for a month now or two yeah. months. <laughs> All right. That's it. We're out. 755 is real.